Yeah, so Jane Austen's Persuasion. Um, it, no, it's not the sexiest of Jane Austen's books. It doesn't have the witty repartee of A Pride and Prejudice. It doesn't have the melodramatics of Sense and Sensibility. It doesn't have the people getting in each other's business like Emma. But Persuasion, there's just something about Persuasion. Some would argue that it's the most autobiographical, which uh, makes things very interesting because her other books are not quite so autobiographical. Um, It's probably the most sad, maybe the most introspective of all the novels. Um, They're still sexy, hunky, navy-like male characters and witty, interesting, maybe not as you know, flamboyantly witty as, you know, some Pride and Prejudice people that we may know. But there's something about Anne Elliot that isn't really repeated anywhere else. So we've got a very unique and really quite special story with Jane Austen's Persuasion. Tell me all your thoughts on God, because I want to know what you think of her. Remember that song? Yeah, I do. Uh, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna. I like, gonna keep going with it. Or Jane something. Austen, Jane Austening, or something. I I was Jane Austen is God. Oh well, let me tell you all my thoughts <laughs> on God, as we'll call her. Um, I actually. So hey, hey everybody, gentlemen's guide to rom coms and all that. Um, welcome, welcome. I'm Kelly Song. That's Ryan Graves. We're here welcome. in your ears. I'm in your left ear. I'm in your right. <laughs> now, I'm sorry, I just trapped you because you're editing this week. You're going to have to figure stereo that out. now. Um, whoa, whoa, panning. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop that. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, how many Jane Austen books have you read? I've read Persuasion, Sense and Sensibility, Emma, Pride and Prejudice, um, Mansfield Park. Just wait. I always confuse Mansfield with Northanger. You've read Mansfield. Okay, I've read Mansfield. Not, yeah. Just not Northanger Abbey, yep. nor the minor novels of the lesser lords of Sanditon, Love and Friendship, and the uh, whatever uh, whatever other books that are like... I like it when they cram other books like Persuasion and some other bullshit she wrote five years before. Right, right, right. You know, there's a lot of books like that where it's um, uh, it's like... Oh, they'll like for Tolkien's essays. They'll be like this major Tolkien essay on fairy tales, or a couple other things he and did as well. Rover random, yeah. <laughs> and this poem that he did. Um, I've read all of those plus Northanger Abbey, but none of the lesser ones like you. But now that you said Sanderton, it makes me think maybe maybe that's where they got the name Bridgerton. Where they're like, ah, yeah, perfect. That's exactly where they got it. Well, of of all of the Jane Austens that you've read. Minus how do, how the do I rank them? How do I rank them? Yeah, uh, yeah. Let's do an official ranking before we start talking about the book. Yeah, persuasion. The book persuasion. And maybe you can try to persuade me. Mm. Uh, okay, I, I love ranking things. Robin knows I love ranking things, and she hates this about me. I love personally ranking them as well. Like I, I, I'm not like you're wrong if you don't think this, but I love having. I don't think that. I have. I love having a list of my top ten. Yeah. Anything. I don't. I don't think you're wrong. I just think you're misinformed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's let's um go. I'll, just, I'll cycle let's, through. No, no, no. Let's. Oh, you want to go bottom to top? 
Oh, okay. You go and I'll go. Okay. Bottom to top, Mansfield Park is at the bottom for me. Me as well. Yeah. Um, oof. It's, I usually go with, like, I know what my favorite is. It's the middle that's really hard to do. Sure. Um, uh, uh, I guess Emma yep. after that. Yep. Emma's long. Yeah. Emma's a really long book, and I can't remember a lot that happens. I just remember she's a matchmaker, and then she fucks up. She says something really rude to a really weird girl. She's like, Mr. Elton, <laughs> go with this person. And she's like, no, you can't love me. You should love them. Um, yeah. Do, is that, do you That's concur? what I said as well. Yeah. yeah. Emma, yeah. Yeah. Did you concur it's also a little too long? Uh, I think it is her longest book. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't love it a lot, and it's long, so that makes anything long. Yeah. Too long. There you go. Yeah. Um, okay, after th- after that, what's left? So I have Persuasion, Sense, and Pride. Pride and Prejudice, because you haven't read Northanger. Oh, that's... Now we're in a tough situation. I guess I would go with Sense and Sensibility mm-hmm. next. Mm-hmm. What about you? Uh, I'm going to do Northanger next. Mm-hmm. I really like Northanger a lot. People don't talk about it much. It's, I think, it's not... It's mat- maturity-wise, it's her least maturely written book because it was her first. Yeah. That's apparent when you read it, but that doesn't make it bad. It's more entertaining than you think it'd be. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. It, it, she's, she's, it's her, her most wry and cutting. Like, take the first chapter. Oh, so she doesn't hold back because she's like a 14-year-old when she wrote it. She's like, yeah, and she was stupid. <laughs> yeah, kind of. It, you know the first chapter of Persuasion where they're talking about Sir Elliot, and she's like, the gentry sucks. <laughs> Yeah. It's like that, but for a book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Love it. Yeah. Um, so then then I would say Persuasion. You do your top three now. Um, then I'd do Persuasion and then uh, Pride and Prejudice. Okay. I think my next ones are going to be Persuasion, then Sense, then Pride and Prejudice top. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wait. So so you, you've got Persuasion at number three. I've got it at number two. Yeah. Okay, you you were coming at me as if persuasion was coming at like bottom of the list, but now I see. Wait, it. wait. Oh, you mean like the other day when we talked about it? Yeah, you're like. <laughs> no, I I really I no, I liked the book, um, but I I just have some thoughts, and I don't know if you're gonna concur with them, and so like I I don't know, I'm, I'm maybe I'm a little nervous because. You got it at number three. I mean, I think that's that's a good spot to be in with a no. book like Persuasion. It's a lesser. It is a lesser novel. They don't talk about it as much. It's a lesser known novel. Yeah. Um, but like, as as far as English majors are concerned, a lot of times, especially among the English major women that I knew, they're very much like Persuasion's the best of them. I I'll go. Okay. Uh, we should make a disclosure. We're both English majors, so we're gonna get a little nerdy in this book club. Yes. We're gonna get a little. Um, we're going to be suffering and we're yeah. going to be annoying and cloying, but you know, but Hey, it's what scholars do. Put on a tea cozy on your head and, and, and sip some coffee. Yeah. Uh, because you know, that's all good tea cozies are good for. I think, I think, you know, maybe Mansfield park might take this. I haven't read Northanger, but I think persuasion is the least entertaining of all our novels. Yes. Because I think the, I think besides man's maybe even more happens in Mansfield park. Yeah. Um, but this is like the twist in this is a, as a plot element in the rest of them. Uh-huh. Like yeah. the, the twist in this is like, Mr. Elliot was bad the whole time. Who saw that coming? And Jane like, Austen's like, 
Whoa. It's like, okay, his name doesn't start with a W this time, but that doesn't make it more tricky. Yeah. Like he's not a Willoughby or a Wham. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I think we can, let's start off um, saying that this is the most cerebral yeah. of her books because I think it lives far more in Anne's mind than any of the other books stay in one person's mind. Because in Pride and Prejudice, we are in Lizzie's mind a lot of the time, but we're also bouncing back and forth between her and Darcy where like we have this third person narrator who just like knows what each of them is, is thinking. Right. And I feel like in this book, we, we don't do that as much. We see through Anne's eyes, what people look like they're feeling and she surmises in her mind. There's a lot more free and direct discourse. I know, I know, English major drop right there. Well, explain to people what you mean. Free and direct discourse is when the narrator is, they're omniscient and they're objective, but their tone takes on whatever character they're describing. Right. And so a lot of the time it's Anne's like thought and the narrator be like, yeah, so at this point, uh, Wentworth hates her. And it's like, that's not true, right. but that's what she thinks is, that's how she's feeling right. this moment. And so the narrator is going to be more biased in how they describe yeah, things. Yeah, but it's not so much so that I ever think that. Right. It, it's like, we know that this is her feeling right now. Exactly. Yeah. But it's... it it With a worse writer, you you would be confused by it. Yeah. But, but that's with Jane what's Austen, so genius we, about it. Yeah, we, we know that this is Anne's like, inner monologue that she yeah. keeps to and, herself. And, and it's never like... And, and Austin isn't like, but not really. That's just how she's feeling, you guys. No, she yeah. feels this way. Mm-hmm. The book just exudes an understanding to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's like a, a good, like when you have a good friend and you know, like how they're feeling. And you're they, like, nobody needs oh to say Oh my it. gosh. <laughs> um, so Anne Elliot is our main character. Yes. Uh, and before we get into the story and play the drop, oh, okay, we. But she's surrounded by names from previous books. Yeah, it's really annoying. <laughs> like Jane Austen just is like, these are the names we're using in my books because <laughs> these are the popular names these days. And so like Anne, main character named Anne. I don't know of any other Anne's in Austen. Might be There might be some other Anne's. There might be some. Not any that pop to mind. But yeah. Um, her she has a younger sister Mary, older sister Elizabeth. Elizabeth, come come on. It's don't like, do that don't, to us. Don't do that to us. Don't make a bad Elizabeth. I guess they exist out there, but just give me a new name. We don't need that. That's my only like complaint with the names. Aren't there other Henriettas and Louisas? <laughs> Maybe not. I just always imagined Henrietta and Louisas were uh no, not Darcy's siblings. Uh, that's Georgiana. Yeah, who is um who are the other sisters that bugged the bejesus out of Elizabeth? She's oh. like, oh, these fuckers. Well, there's, okay, there's Lydia, Kitty, Mary, Not her and sisters, Jane. but she's oh. around someone. So she's, she's, oh, I feel Charles, like she's, Charles. There's a Charles in, in Pride and Prejudice, Charles Bingley. Um, but Bingley had one Bingley sister. Bingley has a mean sister yeah. named, well, she's always just called Miss Bingley. Right. Because she's the oldest sister. What right. is her name? But there's some, there's some cousins out there that just, get on her nerves just like and i feel like a henrietta and a louisa are the kinds of like annoying characters to have in an austin completely and they're not so bad in this one so do you know what a pick me girl is that sounds really familiar so i i think it's more of a gen z term maybe it's a millennial term too but it's one that i was never familiar with but i have like looked up what a pick me girl was because somebody used it in conversation Uh. and it's like 
the girl who is always like, uh, pay attention to me doing this thing. Like, like, and it's like this normal thing. Like, oh my gosh, I'm wearing a dress today. Isn't that weird? Ugh. Or something like that. It's, Ugh. I, I, there are probably men who do the same kind of thing where they just call out, they call out a very normal thing so that they can get attention. Right. And I feel like, I feel like you do it, the opposite because you don't do normal things very much. So I'm I'm more like, look at this weird thing I'm doing. You're wearing a mechanics <laughs> outfit right now. So, I mean, you're doing it here. So it's not like you're running around in public like that. Maybe no, but I want you to pay attention to me for sure. I thought it was cool. Well, I was thinking, I was thinking Louisa Musgrove. She's not. She's definitely a pick me girl. Yeah, she's not. She's not a hundred percent so, but as much as one can be she's a pick me girl in an Austin world yeah totally yeah. okay well why don't we jump into the story yeah, I'll huh? tell you a story tell me a story Turk let me tell you a story about love D'Artagnan ask you about love probably quote me a sonnet I'm not much more than an interpreter and not very good at telling stories that's the end what do you mean that's the end that's not it's the beginning of something interesting listen that's the end of that saga the end we don't meet Anne Elliot, who's the protagonist of this book, and that's that's your first clue of what the story is saying. She's made mention of once in the first chapter, I think. <laughs> so the first chapter goes like the this is Clan Elliot yeah. <laughs> of of the Dukedom of Elliot, which Baronet. is <laughs> yeah yeah. And he's a he's just this. I mean, very minor. He has very minor status in the but enough to have feasting. status. Yeah, he's like a head, he's clinging onto it. He's a head of. The military, but below a baron, below a duke, below yeah princes, obviously. Yeah. But but he has status. Yeah, right. He loves his status, so he meets He's, Sir Walter Elliot. There's there's a term for this. It's the uh, well, it's part of the, the arist- landed gentry. Yeah, it's yeah. just the aristocracy of its right. time. Yeah. and he's he really is clinging onto it. And his favorite book is the list of barons, <laughs> and he's in there, and he's like, look, there I am. <laughs> And oh my gosh, does Jane Austen not let him off on yeah. this? Like, she's just like, isn't he stupid? Yeah. Isn't he the worst? Yeah. Um, but in, in a very smart way. But he's not loud and obnoxious the way that Mrs. Bennett is loud and obnoxious. Because Mrs. Bennett flies off the page. He's just kind of like in his own world. He's Yeah, he's quietly egotistical. Yeah. Yeah. And he has three daughters, Elizabeth, yeah. Anne, and Mary. Mm-hmm. And that's all you'll hear about Anne for the next, like, 40 pages. Yeah. Like, <laughs> maybe not 40 it, pages. No, it but feels a, like a that. while. Yeah, because I remember um, I was, like, reading the book. I was reading the book. I was reading the book. And I was like... You're like, hey, wh- who's the main character in this? Yeah, yeah, because I'm like, okay, I, it's a Jane Austen novel, so it's not going to be the dad. Yeah. And then... Elizabeth is introduced, but she's introduced as the prettiest one in the family. I'm like, well, obviously Elizabeth can't be our main character because Jane Austen, like women, it's usually like the second most pretty who's the main character. Because she always does that, right? She always Mm -hmm. is like, this person looks like this. This person's pretty. This person's homey. She's pretty, but not Bond girl pretty. She's more like (laughs) Bend It Like Beckham pretty. Maybe, you know, one of the characters in Love Actually, but wouldn't maybe, I mean, maybe in a few years she could hold her own. You might not notice her at first because she's the girl next door, but you'll get there eventually. (laughs) Trust me. Um, By the way, wouldn't it be cool? I've been reading way too much cyberpunk lately, but I was thinking, wouldn't it 
be cool if there was a Jane Austen AI that they created that just kept writing novels and you just fed it the variable. All right, give us a Jane Austen novel, but the main character is a stay-at-home dad. <laughs> I would love to see what a Jane Austenified story like that would be, where we get the like gentle touch, gentle touchings, gentle like mm. <laughs> characteristics yeah. of a male lead character. I, you know, I bet there is like a human writer right now who's going to be listening to this one day and he's like me that was me <laughs> i can do it he's like i am that dad and i wrote a book about me as jane austen it's would. called death at pemberley damn it <laughs> damn it death at pemberton <laughs> so we understand that elizabeth is a lot like her dad she's the oldest she's vain she's also vain and just kind of stupid <laughs> yeah it's, it's, honestly she's just super boring she is really boring because she's She's like the Bennett sisters if they didn't have any personality. Yeah, there's literally nothing that she does. Yeah. Except meet with people in rooms. So she was gonna marry Mr. Elliot, which is one of the cousins, who is actually the next in line for the aristocracy, the um, baronetage would go to right. their because, cousin, Mr. Elliot, because they are girls. Yeah, because they don't have they don't have the man parts. Sorry. This is the patriarchy at work. It's not yep. my fault. <laughs> well, also, you weren't alive then. <laughs> I would, if I was, I would have done something. I, Ryan, Ryan, you're you're always apologizing for the patriarchy, but not like today's patriarchy. Just then. Just then. Just then. <laughs> because you know, I couldn't. I don't have any control over it. Um, but you would have. <laughs> I would have done something. Um, but so, like Elizabeth is there, and she's like helping out with nothing. Yeah, she's but, just enjoying being a part of this minor aristocracy. Yeah. Um, and then we don't really meet Mary yet, but we just know that Mary is married and has mm -hmm. a couple kids and is off. She gets married somewhere. to Charles Musgrove. Yeah. Um, I can't remember how much we learn about Anne. We just know that Anne is the, the mousy one. They they <laughs> describe her as ha being like more vivacious in youth, but after there's at one point in time where she decides not to marry somebody i think yeah captain I, wentworth no 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 that, i mean that's that's the main plot point but yeah. like no she was almost gonna marry mary's husband right but she, she no was no yeah, yeah. yeah she yeah. almost married him but mm -hmm. she's like nah yeah. no thanks and he was like no problem i'll just go down the hall and ask your sister which is what uh lots of jane austen characters do that's what what's his name mr collins does when she's like Oh, and when Mrs. Ben is like, oh, no, Jane's, she's not available. And he's like, well, what about Lizzie? Mm -hmm. Is she cool? Yeah. She down yeah. to clown with her cousin? Ned Stark, also a very famous example. Yes, Ned yes. Mm -hmm. One one brother dies, <laughs> there's one right down the hall. Just comes right, I'm, I'm available. Right down the meat hall. <laughs> um, and we also meet Lady Russell, who is yep. a mother figure to the girls, but most especially... Anne. Yeah, mom's dead, by the way. Mom is long gone. Yeah. Um, and that's basically the first chapter. And the, the plot that starts off everything is Mr. Sir Walter Elliot is f broke. He's broke. Can't um, do anything. Because he spends way more than he's taken in. And I guess it's just one of those, he has that kind of lordship where he has some land. So he has just this passive income at all times. Right. And usually, like, it doesn't seem like he owns, like, a town where there's like an old fiefdom where right. everybody like works on his land or anything. It's just that 
he has a place. It's big. It has a lot of land and there's gardens and stuff. Man, the 19th century, they really figured out passive income. Am I right? Yeah. Right. Like Darcy had <laughs> the passive income of all passive incomes. Yeah. He was just like, yeah, a lot of people work and technically pay taxes to me on the, the land. And I'll go talk to him and I'll, figure I'll stuff him. out. I'll, I'll make sure that everything's working fine. <laughs> Man, they, cool. they had it figured out. Yeah. Way to be. So they decide to retrench. I like that word a lot. Mm-hmm. Retrench. It sounds a lot better than stop spending all your fucking money. It, it sounds a little bit like that era's version of... Um, what is what is it when you get a second mortgage? What's uh, it called? Um, I don't know. Be lower middle class. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's like um, it's called re- oh refinancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're refinancing, but it's more rethinking how yeah, they spend yeah. things. So um, they got to figure out what to do. And you know, we really get to know uh, Elizabeth and Mister Elliot, and they're both kind of obnoxious. They're they're like, how could this have happened? They're very, um, <laughs> they're very stuck up and stuffy, and also kind of de- dilettantes in the sense that they don't actually behave the way they're supposed to behave. Right. There's no chivalry or nobility to them. They are just there to be catered to. Yeah. Like and egot- egotistically, they're the kind of people when you see at a restaurant, you're like. Oh, okay. And you feel really bad for the waiters working with them. They're the kind of people that send back food that's perfectly fine. Yeah. Or send back wine when they don't really know what's wrong with the wine and they say what's wrong with the wine. They're like, I don't like this. It's like, you just popped open the bottle though. And that's a buy the bottle bottle. And Anne has to explain like, it's a Pinot Noir. Like (laughs) that's how they, that's how it works. Well, Anne has to just explain, this is decorum. Yeah. Like you cannot do this because it makes you a bastard and they're like i don't care so Anne, we we slowly get into Anne's head and she's just always just kind of mildly embarrassed over everything not embarrassed but just kind of like (sighs) dealing with them yeah and like she doesn't express this like like because she's very demure she's quiet and inward but like so like when when they finally decide to rent out their place and move to Bath or Lyme, where do they go? Bath. They go to Bath. Yeah, and even Anne's like, I don't want to go to Bath. Yeah, oh, Bath <laughs> sucks, and um, very stinky. Anne is. Mm. Um, they like Mr. Shepherd isn't like one of their friends, and he's like, No, you could rent it out to like an admiral, and he's like, Ugh, an admiral. People in Navy are the worst. It's like. <laughs> Like I, but make like, it's an honor for him to rent my place. Right. And it's like, sure, dude, dude, you're broke. Just, just take, take the money and go. Um, and so Anne is the one who basically forces them into, she has to logic them into it. She's like, has to help them see the light. And she's the like slow to anger, quiet, very wise person of the family. If they didn't have Anne, they would be really in a tailspin. Yeah, for sure. They would they would end up like probably having debtors call on them and yeah. have to run. But Anne is the adult in the room. Right. Most of this book, she's the adult in the room. And I the the book says she used to be a little bit more vivacious until this happens. Basically, at uh, some time in this mix, uh, she meets Frederick Wentworth. Mm-hmm. Not yet captain. Yeah. He was just a poor boy from a poor family. (laughs) (laughs) Living in a lonely world. Um, They fell in love. He proposed. But Lady Russell, her mother figure, Mm -hmm. persuaded her. Here is the first persuasion of the book. 
persuaded her not to. It wasn't a good match for a lot of reasons, social reasons, class reasons, monetary reasons, monetary. It just would be, she persuaded her, Lady Russell persuaded Anne to understand it as it would reflect poorly on her family and it would reflect poorly on his family too. I don't know why it would reflect poorly on him, but that's how she kind of came to understand it. And she's like, yeah, I don't want to like do bad by him. And she also, Lady Russell also objects to his manner because he doesn't, I think it's, they, they explain it as. He, he just has a different mannerism. Like he doesn't have a certain charm to it right. that she's looking for. Yeah. And so, and being very young and very impressionable and having this mother figure, which really complicates, complicates it. It's not her mother. It's a mother figure. And so there's a weird different style of yeah, respect. It's not denying. It's persuading. Yeah. 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 Because if it was her parents, they could just be like, no, yeah. but it was lady Russell who was like, don't do this. Yeah. And, you know, she Lady Russell's got a lot of opinions because she also is trying to persuade Elizabeth not to hang out with Mrs. Clay. Who, she's like, I hate that girl. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, she's not cool, and like, she's got a snaggle tooth. You know, the, if, for what we know of Miss Clay at the beginning of this book, we're just like Lady Russell. She seems fine. Yeah, like I don't, don't know why you're so pissy it. about her. Yeah, um, but we get that. I I think it's not as elegant, but I think the big theme of this book actually is regret. And that's what Anne is living with is this long simmering regret and kind of dealing with it. Yeah. 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 We don't, it's not explicated a lot, but I think that's definitely there. It's always under the surface. Um, So she, for the next eight years, basically just gets slowly spinsterish. Yeah. I mean, that's, (laughs) yeah, that's, that's how society would call her. She's just, it's less vivacious. It's yeah. not like she's like lost her beauty or something. It's just yeah. that she's sadder. Yeah, definitely. And she decides at, at, at this point in time when they're 27 and all of their money is gone, um, she's going to go live with Mary and take care of her sister, Mary, who's been sick recently. Well, she's just hanging out with Mary. Mary's like, and come hang out with me. And she's not living yeah. with her. She's, she's going to live with the with Walter and Elizabeth. No, no, she she goes and stays with them. No, she stays with she stays with Mary. Mary mm-hmm. because Mary asked her to hang yeah, out for a yeah, while, yeah. but not it wasn't a permanent situation with Mary. Mm, no, but it ends up being like like months. Yeah, it's yeah. a long time. Yeah, um, I mean, because you know it takes a while to travel places back. Yeah, then, you and know? she's like, I'd much rather hang out here than hang out with my stupid dad. Yeah, uh, and honestly, like Charles Musgrove, who who seems pretty cool. Yeah. He's not bad. Yeah. He seems like he's he's, chill dude. And there's like a time when Anne is like looking at him. She's like, he could have married better than my (laughs) sister. Yeah. So we meet the sister and she's just another very interesting Austin character. She's not a very good mother. She's really lazy. She's, she's, uh, not a hypochondriac, but she, she makes a big show of, things that are wrong with her it's like you're not that sick and and charles Charles is always like i don't want to be around you so i'm gonna leave yeah because you're complaining a lot yeah and and we get that through Anne. Anne's like she's not really sick Anne's like you're you're fine it's fine she doesn't say it ever though because she demures yeah um she's not a confrontational person no (laughs) <laughs> and, and I'm going to get into that later. Yeah. Um, she's, she is long suffering. That's, that's kind of her thing. Yeah. Um, but she is the closest to a Jane Eyre 
that I think we get. Yeah. Um, and she's just happy to help because you can't change. I think this is the most grounded novel because it is very realistic about humans the way that other Austin books isn't quite in the sense that you can't really change who people are. Um, whereas in, oh, would you call that realistic or pessimistic? I don't know. It depends on how pessimistic you are in life, but like Darcy's like, I was an asshole. Like there's, there's a lot of like comeuppance and learning lessons and like, let's So you don't think that's realistic? You don't think people can learn lessons and change? I think those characters go through change in a much more novelistic way. Mm. And I think characters in this book kind of stay the way they are. And I think there's no, there's no redemption for Mary's like, uh, idiosyncrasies. She's always going to be kind of a bad mother. She's always going to be a little bit selfish. She's always going to be a little bit, you know, I, I don't see her changing and growing. See, that's what I, that's what I actually like about Pride and Prejudice is we don't like most of the people stay exactly the same. The only people that change in that book really are, um, Darcy and Elizabeth. Yeah. But the characters here are not such comic, um, abstractions the way that I said Mrs. Bennett flies off the page sure. and Mr. Bennett also flies off the page. Cause I just like, yeah, I really relate to his one quality of wanting to stay in and read. Like <laughs> it's very, like it's a much more strong edged characters in those books. Whereas these feel much more realist in, I the, don't, in the later 19th century novel sense. May, realist. Maybe I, I, I feel like Mary and Charles are pretty one note. Most of the book, but they're not as, do you think they're as loud though as other characters in, in the other books? De- I mean, not so Charles, but definitely Mary. Yeah. Mary is, is far more like a, a Mrs. Bennett mixed with a Mary, um, a Mary Bennett. Uh, yes. Where she's true. like, Oh, everybody around me is doing things that bother me. Yeah. Ugh. So we, we get that. Anne's just feels like it's her job kind of to help out around yeah. this house. She's taking care of the kids. She's taking care of Mary. She's walking places with people. Yeah. We meet the, um, the older Musk- Musgroves, um, who are a jolly homely couple. Yeah. There's, they're cool. And then we, we meet Louisa and Henrietta and who comes back? Wentworth. Wentworth. And he's like hanging out with the family. He's friends with the family. He's like, oh, you over there. We're not going to talk because we don't know how we feel about each other. And Anne's perspective is, oh, so he hates me right now. And, and then like, his, he doesn't hate you. <laughs> and his perspective is, oh, well, she's cold to me because she's always hated me, which is why she didn't want to marry me. Yeah. And I'm okay with not talking to her right now. It's like, I, I get it. Totally. It's totally cool. Totally valid. I and get so, it. So they just kind of chill around each other and slowly warm up to each other over the next five chapters. Because there's a lot of buffer. Because there's the Musgroves and Mary and... Do the Harvilles come in now? Not yet, but we meet Charles Hayter comes in, I think. Yeah, there's Charles Hayter. And he's like, hey, Henrietta, what's up? Yeah, and he's like, who's the new hot guy? I was the resident hot guy here. Yeah, that's right. And they have a little com- competition going. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of Jane Austen just like milling about. And I think a lot of this book, I come, I'm coming down the side. I thought she was a writer. Uh, uh, but this book, there is the plotting is the most realist in the sense of not a lot goes on. There's no balls. <laughs> there's no like dances that characters get it's, excited for. It's realist in that Jane Austen's like, man, it's 
boring being part of the gentry. The gentry is boring. Because they really do just kind of sit around, go on walks, don't really do anything, talk a little. But yeah. there's there's nothing for a long time. She has a lot of good remarks about society in this book. Like later on, she she has this I, I can't remember it. I'm paraphrasing and we don't have any clips to put in because we don't right. have the movie of this right here. But um she says something about how there's always new people showing up that nobody knows or people that they've spent way too much time talking to. Yeah. And so it's like, there's never a comfortable middle ground. Yeah. And so, you know, everyone's hanging out with each other. Eventually it comes out that both Louisa and Henrietta are kind of clearly, you know, available (laughs) to be married. And the talk is, well, Wentworth is the most eligible bachelor. So which one is he going to pick? And then he steps down and he's like, ladies, it's time. And he brings out one rose. Um, and, and he's like, I want to know which one of you here is here for the right reasons. And you'll find out in the next commercial break. Uh, and, and just kind of like, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. He's, we, we figure out that Captain Wentworth is pretty much very different from what she last saw him as. Oh yeah. He's got money. He's a captain in the Navy. He's of a ship. Um, yeah, it's, he's, he's rich now. He looks great. Everything's great. Foxy. He has one of those, he has one of those things in his pants that a lot of people did back then where it's like a cod piece. Yeah. And she's like, what's below that? I don't know. Probably a lot. And so she's like, then she goes, waka waka. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, yeah, it makes sense. He's the, he's the eligible demure except when she jokes. Yeah. Uh, so then I don't. I don't know what other nothing we need to skip over to get to their um, excursion to mm. Lime. Oh no! Then uh, oh, because the the bad thing happens at Lime. That's right. Yeah. Um, nothing. They they hang out. It. Uh, he. Oh well. They start talking a little bit more. They they do slowly warm up to each other and get to this kind of detente where they're just kind of like they don't ever address what happened, but they're just like. I'm cool. They, cool. Yeah, they, cool. they 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 are warm enough to talk to each other a couple of times. Yeah, one and then, on one. Then there's just like a billion scenes of Mary being like, "Oh, these the the girls are going on a walk. We should go. We should go. Why didn't they ask me to go on a walk? Hey, right. hey, you hey. should ask me to go on a walk. And then I'll say, ah, I guess if I have to. Yeah. And there's a there's a scene where one of the kids falls and breaks his arm, and she like freaks out, and Anne's oh, like, yeah. "Calm down." You get a doctor. I'll take care of the kid. Again, there's a crisis. She's the adult in the room. Right. Because the mother is hysterical. Makes sense. I'm hysterical when Theo, like, stubs his toe and Sarah's the one who steps in is the, yeah. you know, good one. Yeah. Uh, but that happens. I'm trying to remember if there's any other significant incidents. Not mm. until they go to visit the Harvilles in which they meet Benick. Yeah. Cap- Captain Benick. Yeah. Not Benwick, yeah. which is how it's spelled, but <laughs> Benick. And, and so we meet Benick, and he's a very recent widower, and he's and he's not even. It was his fiance that died. Yeah, yeah. which is a weird way of making it tragicer. <laughs> but this is when I like all the dudes in this story that are from the Navy are pretty cool. Yeah, like I like Benick. I like uh, the Harvilles. I mm-hmm. like um, the Crawfords. Wentworth. Crawfords. Crawfords Crofts. are great. The Crofts. Who are the um, Crawfords? Michael? Michael Crawford? What no, are you there's doing Mr. Here? and Mrs. Crawford. <laughs> hey. <laughs> He's like, and I brought this Velociraptor. <laughs> oh no, it's eating Mary. That's Michael Crichton. Oh, wait, who did you say? Michael Crawford. 
Oh, who's, oh, you mean as in the Phantom? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Whoops. I don't know why my mind went to Michael Creighton. <laughs> Throw a mask at you. Uh, so, w- yeah, we meet all these cool Navy dudes. Benick is a widower, and Anne's like, yo, I hear you're a widower. He's like, yeah, I'm just in the corner reading this romantic poetry. She's yeah. like, dope. Oh, let's talk about it. <laughs> and they have, like, arguments, but fun ones. And yeah. it's like, oh, they could be... They could be good together. Yeah, they, they really connect. They have this fantastic conversation where Anne's like, you should read less poetry and more prose because you're just going to make yourself sadder if you keep reading sad poetry. He's like, that's kind of what I need right now is sad poetry. Mm-hmm. She's like, I disagree. You should read this prose. And it, they have this fun relationship that you kind of want where you can talk about something and agree that it is there, there is goodness, but then somebody will challenge you yeah. on that. And that's, that's very fun. Yeah. And they both have, he is a very sorrowful heart and she has like the shadow of a sorrow on her heart. And right. there's something, there's a depth of both of their souls that they kind of see in each other. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a very good connection that spoiler alert, they don't fall in love with each other. But it's a very good relationship right. that's had in this book. It's a very special bond. And the the whole the whole thing that Jane Austen is doing with introducing like all these great captains of ships yeah. is she's saying she's like turning to the audience and saying, the gentry is old, boring, and dumb. And they and don't do anything. They don't do anything. They think they're cool, but they're not. Other people like she basically brings up a meritocracy here. She's like, yeah. these people do something and that makes them cooler. Yeah. And the landed gentry are like, ugh, people in the Navy, they get sunburns. Ugh. Uh, <laughs> oh, gross. And there's like new gentry, which are the admirals. And we find out that like Admiral Croft and his wife actually go to sea together. Yeah. Which and it's is like, baller. dude, that's chill. That's <laughs> yeah. chill as fuck. <laughs> Super cool. Like, and, and I'm just like imagining them sailing the high seas. It's cool. We see the Crofts and there's another scene. Uh, I want to thank Spark Notes for reminding me of this scene because I had to read through all of it to remind myself of everything. There's a scene where they're on a um, carriage. A barouche? Uh, and I can't remember, but they basically split the responsibilities. One had the reins and the other was like driving yeah. or something yeah. like that. It was a very like equal. Yeah. And Anne was like, rad. Yeah. <laughs> she cool. was really admiring them. Yeah. And they're, they're kind of like the only happy couple besides the Harvilles and the, the older Musk. They're kind of the old couple you want to become. Yes. You know? Yeah. They're, they're paving the way for everybody else. Yeah. I can't remember. I always confuse the senior Harvilles with the Crofts because Harville has a good conversation with her. They have like good back and forth about, yeah. you know, the, the Navy and, you know, men, the difference between men, men and, and women and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. That, that comes a bit later. Um, and that's actually like kind of a plot point. Yeah. Um, he persuades her later. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, they basically end up in Lyme where everybody's hanging out. They're going on long walks. They're like, well, we're experts in this. Nothing could go wrong. We've yeah. been walking all book. <laughs> and so Le- Louisa is like, <laughs> catch me, catch me, Wentworth. <laughs> and Wentworth is like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll catch, catch you. you. And he does. And she's and like, she- oh man, that was fun. <laughs> catch me again. And he's like, no, no, please don't. I don't think it's I, like I, I got I got lucky that first time, but just don't. Wait, no, 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 no. 
and then she jumps. And oh no, I fell straight on my head. She gets a concussion or something. She she, she gets knocked a, out. A long coma. She's knocked cold. Um, um, have you ever have, has this ever happened in front of you, where someone like gets knocked cold? Well, I mean, like it's, unconscious. It's happened to me six times when you get hit by a soccer ball. Well, uh, I mean, you know this, right? You didn't get you didn't get unconscious. Yes. When with me, when you hit your head. No, no, I got a concussion that time, but I didn't get knocked <laughs> unconscious. When I wasn't, was I around you when you got knocked unconscious? That's no, you've never been around me when I've gotten knocked unconscious. But okay. it's happened to me two, three, <laughs> four. Because the car crashed too, so five times. Okay, yeah. wow. Um, have you ever been responsible for a person who has gone unconscious? I knocked, Not some, I knocked somebody out in a fight once. You did? Yeah. How old were you? Uh, 21. What, were you the gentleman about it and brought him to uh, whatever services that oh, were required? It was, it was a bar fight. Oh, so dang. They had friends there. This is a Spokane? You, no. you knocked down a Spokey? No. Where was it? It was Ireland. It was You're it being was, cagey. It was yeah. You know what? I'm I'm like. Does this implicate me in anything now? <laughs> there there was a bar fight. I'll tell you about it later. But tell me what state you were in. No. <laughs> Gosh. I'll, I'll I'll tell you later. West coast, east coast. Um, I'm. I'll tell you later. <sighs> okay. But regardless, there's it's a. It's scary when someone is knocked out. In it front is of scary, you. and I have seen I've seen people get knocked out, uh, especially in sports. Yeah. Um, and it's always. It's always scary because it's like, oh, this person's limp. I don't know how hurt they are. Yeah. Okay, they're breathing. Okay, their heart is beating. Okay, that's the first Better. two things down. <laughs> um, but it's really scary, and everybody in this freaks out. But Anne is like, calm your shit. Go get a doctor. We'll bring mm-hmm. him back to the Harvilles because that's where we're staying, and it'll be fine. And again, adult in the room is Anne. Anne just like handles the situation like a champion. Yeah, she's super great. Just calm under pressure. And Wentworth also is like, yeah, everyone, calm your shit. Like, yeah. he's like second in command to yeah. Anne, who's calling the shots. Yeah, it's really good. It's a good scene for Anne. Yeah, and they, yeah. Anne and Wentworth kind of bond over being the joint grown-ups take, taking care of this. Right, and, you know, he has to go with Louisa and uh, I think, Char- like, Charles and... I forget who goes with who, but um, it, it's it's a big to do. It basically ruins everybody's time in Lyme. Um, and Louisa is hurt, and it's just... Louisa that falls, right? It is, yeah. Okay, I I just don't want to be the ones who get. I confuse Louisa and Henrietta all the time. Yeah, but she ends up marrying yeah. somebody. Why did Louisa jump in persuasion? Because she is stubborn and determined that she will have her own way. Well, Thank you, Google. Well, no, no, that, that actually is a, um, is a good point is that this, this book is about the ability to persuade, to be persuaded or to have strong will. And when those, those two things can, can and should be done responsibly. Like it's not that granular about it, but it's, it's very, what about Mr. Benick? Oh, I, you asked who did Louisa end up with? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, he does. Yeah. He does? Yes. Yeah. So what happens is Wentworth feels responsible, and so he wants to nurse Louisa and take care of her. Um, and Man, Wentworth can't convince anybody of anything. He can't convince a girl to marry him. He yeah. can't convince a girl not to jump. Yeah. And so there's a lot of like hand wringing and like someone Ooh. should go to, you know, other places and do things. So... The cards get shuffled and nothing really big happens. Nothing after happens. This. 
it's they go to is, back, and this is the end of volume one, and it mm-hmm. kind of ends with a cliffhanger, yeah, or more of like a cliff jumper, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> um, so Anne's hanging out with her other family, the rest of her family, I should say. She's hanging out with Lady Russell, and Lady Russell's like, I do not like that Mrs. Clay. And mm-hmm. Anne's like, I don't think we need to worry about Mrs. Clay or Miss Clay, yeah, yeah. She's like, You. Look, I know it's boring here, but can you yeah. just settle down? Oh, wait, did we also meet Mr. Elliot? Oh, yeah. They, at at, at Lime, yeah. Mr. They, they saw a mysterious some, hot guy. Some guy looks at Anne, he's like, very nice. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> and she looks at him and she's like, not okay, bad yourself. I'll take a yes there. And that's basically it. And she's like, I think that was Mr. Bennett, but I'm or Mr. Mr. Elliot, Elliot, but I'm not sure. Yeah. So he's he, she's like, sup, cousin? Yeah, so... It Which turned, was cool back it was then. Cool then. Mr. Elliot has reconnected to the family because he basically stopped talking to the family after the failed whatever happened with Elizabeth. Right. But now he's reconnected and said, sorry, I was such a dick. I'm hanging out with you guys now. I want to hang out more. Let's do it. Yeah. And so they hang out in Bath. Yeah. And Walter, I, I hate this. Why do we have to do all the misters? Because it's like, Mr. Well, Mr. Elliot. Elliot hung out with the other Mr. It's, Elliot. It's the same thing with them. Like the oldest sister is a miss, and the rest of them you can call by your first name. And then there's Mrs. Miss, and then the rest. And it's dumb. It's stupid. Yeah. So I'm like, her dad or her cousin? Just tell me. I can't keep it Cause straight. Because it's Sir Walter. Yeah. And or, then Mr. Elliot. Or Sir Elliot. Because then other characters i guess they would always call him sir walter they would never right. call sir walter mr elliot correct but still you you forget sometimes and you hear i was hanging out with mr elliot i'm like how he wasn't there i don't think you should earn a sir via your parents right i think you need to earn it by doing something great yeah exactly yeah go this out and win a joust exactly mm-hmm. um there's no joust don't care go win one and so yeah in one hand lady russell's a little nervous about miss clay supping sir walter elliot and Anne's yes like, that's right don't worry about miss, it I and miss clay's fine. a lot younger than him yeah and it's just it, it would be a really weird match and everyone's like kind of nervous because like, her husband died don't worry, or something like that fine. yeah it's gonna be okay so that's all going on and then we also meet mrs smith yeah her her childhood friend mrs smith was widowed and is kind of destitute and is living in this but it's cool house she's really cool but just kind of in a bad way but Anne's like i'll hang out with you yeah i don't care yeah and so another honor point for Anne. yeah and then also she's getting her badges left <laughs> and right she's like hung out with miss smith chick yeah and then the doll rimples come to town and the yeah. doll rimples are cousins to sir walter elliot and they're way above station than walter is and he's like we have to hang out with them yeah and they're from ireland so You'd think they'd be a little bit more fun, but they're yeah. not. Yeah. They're was boring. And so Walter's like, okay, we'll hang out with them this time and this time, and we'll hang out with them next weekend and this weekend and that weekend. And can you make it? And she's like, I'm hanging out with Mrs. Smith. And Walter's like, her? Yeah. You don't need to hang out with her? <laughs> yeah. He <laughs> he definitely pulls a uh, George Michael. <laughs> her? <laughs> He's like, what, is she funny or something? Like, why would you want to hang out with her? And she's like, like, no, I like her. She's my friend. I like it. And there's this like very fun thing where Mrs. Smith's kind of a gossip and Anne's like, ooh, juicy. Like it's her one little vice. Yeah. It's like, I love hearing gossip. But like the gossip is so tame. <laughs> yeah. Like that's the one flaw of Anne outwardly. She least. enjoys gossip. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. And so 
this is the new ecosystem she finds herself in. Like Wentworth, but she doesn't enjoy gossip bit. around anybody else. Just, just in like this small circumstance in the safe room with yeah. Mrs. Smith. Like Wentworth's about a little bit, but Mr. Elliot keeps coming around. He's like, "Hey, Anne, how you doing?" Yeah, like, he's really sniffing up those coattails, and she's like very polite to him. But Anne, I would say, if she has any other flaw, mm-hmm. like not like a huge gaping flaw, but she's a little. Not airheaded isn't the right word. She she can see people's character as well, but she just doesn't get when things are going on sometimes. She's like not focused on it. She has no idea that Mr. Elliot is hitting on her for like 30 pages. Yeah, she's she's very humble. She has a humble heart, and so she's... Yeah, that's the nicer way to say that. Kind of Thank not you. looking up. She's always kind of looking down. She's yeah. not looking around and not taking things for granted but at one point in time where everybody's over mr elliot leans over and he's like hey it'd be nice if we were one family so that your house could stay with you and your family and And not marry that ugly mrs clay and then and she turns around she's like i'm sorry sorry i'm so sorry what (laughs) What were you saying it's like (sighs) it's like ah i was saying (sighs) that you're really hot (laughs) hot and you know i think there's i think there's something going on between us and and he he does he wants to marry someone we should make it clear he's not like um who's the really gross cousin in pride um the mr collins yeah he's not like mr collins at all he's he's very he's 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 more evil though he is but like his his outward demeanor is very like a little bit willoughby a little bit like a a little bit Wickham, but neither... He was a little Willoughby, <laughs> a little Wickham. But he doesn't ever feel off in a bad way. Just there's something a little too good to be true about him. He's he's charming. And like I think it's a lot more that we know the code of Austin. Yeah. Where she describes him as charming multiple times. And there are other people who say... Well, isn't he charming? So you know he's a bad guy. It's like you've said charming way too much. Yeah. Like you're you're overcompensating, thus you're hinting to us that he is going to be bad news bears. Because with Wentworth, when Wentworth's around, he has all these times where he shows us charm, but never in a showy way. No, he is universally he's that like guy who's universally loved. So is it I can't remember, is it the senior Musgroves had a son who passed away and wanted to talk to Wentworth about it? I think it's the Musgroves. Dickie Musgrove. Yeah, I think that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> sure. And yeah. so they're like, Oh, Wentworth, he was our little son's like captain. I would love to talk to him. And yes, like, that's right. Wentworth. I had a son who died. And, and he was amazing. And Anne's like, no, no he wasn't. He was terrible. But, you know, Wentworth is like, oh, I'll listen to you and talk to you about your dead son and because it, this makes you, the, you know, The language feel is very better. dedicated where Austin tells us Wentworth went and sat right next to Mrs. Musgrove right. and heard her story and was such a gentleman. And I'm like, oh, man, I want to give that guy a hug. Like, yeah, he's just yeah. so cool. He, he just seems kind. Yeah. Yeah. And... I love, I love that. Bad at catching, but besides (laughs) that, fine. Can't catch a lady for his life. Um, But yeah, we get into this end game where like Elliot's like, yo, we should, you know, he hasn't proposed yet, but he's definitely like lining things up. Yeah. And 
all of his advances are scaring away Wentworth. Yeah. And like, so Anne's like, oh man. And then she ends up like right after that happens, she ends up hanging out with Miss Smith. And Miss Smith is like, so I hear you're getting married. And she's yeah. like, wait, what? Well, right before then, like, Anne's like, I got to go. I got this thing. I'm going to see Mr. Elliot. She's like, oh, you're going to see Mr. Elliot? She's like, yeah, it's whatever. She's like, oh, see and never. Yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. Um, and Anne's like, okay, I'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a really odd moment. Yeah. And so, yeah, Mrs. Smith's like, the next day, she's like, well, um, I guess you're getting married to this guy now. And Anne's like, no. She's like, I just want you to have a good life. And Anne's like, no, what are you talking yeah, yeah, about? Yeah. And so, like, basically through... Just like the veracity and pureness of Anne's character, she like convinces him, like, I'm I'm not like lying to you. I'm I'm not getting married to this guy. Miss Smith's like, Oh Great. good. Let me spill. Yeah. Cause, Cause I've been holding it in. That guy's the worst. Well, yeah, and it seems like he's treated Miss Smith poorly. Yeah. In the, well, then she spills the beans. Right. So we get everything. Wait, what what was it that he exact like he was gonna propose to her or something? For Mrs. Smith? Yeah. Oh, so Mrs. Or, this thing well, is because he's trying to get Miss Clay away from. He's um, a okay. There's a lot. There's he a lot has a laundry on. list yeah. of things that he did poorly. He's not just some. How does um, Severus Snape call uh, Willoughby and Sense and Sensibility the worst of oh, all libertines? The, the worst of all. I have described Mr. Willoughby as the worst of libertines. Um, he's not the worst of all libertines. He's a lot slimier than this. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's, 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 he doesn't do anything for passions. So yeah. He's calculated. Yeah. He's not even having a good time doing yes. this. So one thing is he's trying to get Mrs. Miss Clay out of the picture because if Miss Clay marries Sir Walter Elliot and they have a child, then the heir would be that child and not Mr. Elliot. Right. So like he might take over the house for a couple of years. But then he'd, he'd get the boot. Yeah. And so he's trying to like get rid of Miss um, Clay for that reason. You shall not procreate. Um, he used to be buddies with Mrs. Smith's husband mm-hmm. and got Mrs. Mr. Smith um, into all these stupid schemes and right. he went into crazy amounts of debt and just lost a lot of money all because of really bad advice from Mr. Elliot. Right, that's what it was. Um, yeah. And then Mr. Smith dies and basically power of attorney went to Mr. Elliot of all people and Mr. Elliot's like, I don't have time for this. You deal with this. I don't, I'm not going to help. And there's all these debts that kind of pile up and get worse and worse and worse because Mr. Elliot is the man in charge of her Mrs. Smith's affairs and she can't get him to do anything right. and just she's in her destitute ways because, because of, of Mr. Him Smith being just and the worst. The way the way this whole book is laid out is there there are so many things that we cannot talk about due to the fact that there are rules about this. Mm-hmm. Decorum. There is decorum. Yeah. Um, but Mrs. Smith doesn't give a fuck anymore. She's, yeah. She just tells her all this stuff. Which is great. And But there is like a weird nobility, but also a suckiness to the fact that she wasn't going to tell her if she was getting married. Yeah. like Because she doesn't want to ruin like this girl's chance to be married. Right. Because, you know, as as we're told in all of other Jane Austen's books, like, yep, you never know when you're yeah. going to get it's like, like well, actually married. Maybe, maybe it's better to be married to that asshole. Right. Than, than not than at all. destitute and alone. <laughs> yeah. So Anne's like, okay, I thought something was off. This clears up a lot of things. Thanks for letting me know. I'll let the family know. Mm-hmm. He's dead to me. And she doesn't, in Austen books, rarely, 
like Elizabeth Bennett's the only person who really gets to rip into people. Right. We don't see Anne rip into Mr. Elliot. No. Mr. Elliot's like, hey, what's up? She's like, uh huh. Yeah. And <laughs> she, she moves on with her day. Shoulders him. He's like, ah, what's But that? he keeps coming back and he's like, I'm going to be gone for just like a day or something, but I'll be back the next day. And luckily, that's the day where she gets to see Captain Wentworth. He is freaking out writing these letters. Yeah, so they're in this room. and Oh, this is when the conversation with the Harville Harville is talking to Elizabeth, and I can't remember the context. The the context is they're, they're comparing men's and women's ability to have feelings. Yeah, and he was like, oh, men are much more devoted than women. And she's mm-hmm. like, hmm. No, women are more devoted. Yeah. Uh, and, and they kind of come to this weird consensus where they like agree to disagree, where she thinks that women are more tender, even if men can feel things longer. Right. Or And, and it's, it's this really fun conversation about just like a man being like, well, men can do this and her being like, women can do this. But what it really does is lay the foundational like stamp on Jane Austen saying women need to be led into literature. Mm, yeah, because at, at a certain point in time, um, Anne Elliot is like, "Hey, like the reason why you always see men espousing things in literature because he's he references uh, Harville's like, you got to look to literature. Like it's always the men feeling things for women, and she's like, it was all written by men, right? Yeah, and she's like, hmm, funny you bring up literature. I've read all the books ever written, <laughs> <laughs> and it does it gracefully." It, mm-hmm. it really makes a case where Jane Austen is saying, look, we have feelings too. You just don't know them because they haven't been recorded. Mm-hmm. And it gets kind of meta for a second because Jane Austen like looks at the reader and she's like, but I am. <laughs> the bell tolls for thee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so she. Um, oh, and we should mention that Wentworth is hearing this. Yeah. He's like. Hur, yeah. Hur. And so the scene ends and uh, Wentworth's like all right, let's go to the post office. We have some letter to send that's really important, but it won't ever come up again. And then he pulls he out- hands her a letter. A secret letter. Secret letter. And he just looks her in the eye and hands it to her. And he's like, mm, mm, mm. Can't talk because of decorum, but mm. Mm. And so she reads it, and it's one of the great Austin letters of like, yeah, I'm still in love with you. It's really well written. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't recreate these words for you, but it's it's beautiful and poetic. And yeah. he just says, I'm still in love with you if you're still in love. Always have been. Yeah. And then there's like a really fun scene where they, like there's another party and he's there and she she has to leave and Mr. Musgrove like, oh no, it's the same day. Mr. Musgrove like walks her out. Charles does. And he's like, and then hold on. It's, it's a really good scene. Let me describe it better. She's freaking out about this letter because she's so happy. Charles Musgrove's like, something's wrong with you. I'll take you home. Right. He walks her out of the building and then around the corner comes Mr. Went- Captain Wentworth. He's like, oh, hi. Whoa, I guess. Whoops, I ran into you. And Charles like reads what's going on. He's like, oh, man, I got to go see a guy about a gun. <laughs> yeah. I'll see you guys later. Uh, you got this right, Wentworth. Yeah. And then they walk and talk and kind of explain their feelings to each other. And then we get the last chapter of an Austin book of reader. They married. Yeah, they married. And, you know, Captain Wentworth proves that he is the good guy that we always thought because he fixes uh, Mrs. Smith's problems. Yep. Yep. Um, Came right in. And Sir Walter Elliott was happy. He's like, well, I wasn't in favor of it before, but I can see you're rich now. So works for me. And he doesn't marry Miss Clay. She goes 
to town with Mr. Elliot. Yeah. <laughs> and then I guess it, later on he'll inherit. Yeah. So there's that. And and then we're out. Okay. What'd you think of Persuasion? I liked it. I like the characters. I think the writing is exquisite. Mm-hmm. Um, as a novel, it is not necessarily full of entertainment. Mm-hmm. I think you really have to be on board with Anne's character and watching what she goes through in order to absorb and enjoy this narrative, mm-hmm. um, which I was, and I did, but I I have something that I kind of want to talk about in the, the love section that doesn't give me pause, but I, I, I think there is a weird way in which Anne is made a hero mm-hmm. where I think she is noble and I think she should be seen as heroic for simply her personality, I guess. But there's another way in which I think it has affected us English majors when we read a character like this, where we say, yes, that is how I want to also fall in love. And oh. is it? Yeah, <laughs> I, I really do. And I'm, I'm going to make my case, but I think later on. Wait, wait, wait. You're saying you truly do want to have Anne's love story? No, I think that we romanticize it in a way where we expect that that will happen. Oh, yeah. Like there's a like and honestly, you're kind of a living test case for this. Yeah. Where, uh, wait, what? <laughs> you you courted Sarah a little bit. Mm-hmm. You were denied. Yes. And then you separated. Yes. Came back together for a while as friends. And then and then later on dated and then married, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I wasn't trying to recreate this book. No, no, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. I think there's, I, again, we'll talk about it more uh-huh. in in who I fell in love with. Oh, okay. okay. But overall, I think really good. Third favorite Jane Austen book. Mm-hmm. I wish more happened in it. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's what she was interested in doing. But um, yeah, really good overall. Yeah. I I very much like this book. It's it's more I need to be in the mood of I'm reading literature, not because when I read Pride and Prejudice. Oh yeah, I can do that any day. I, I can read Pride and Prejudice when I'm in the mood for a Jack Reacher novel. Like <laughs> like I not I mean not quite when, literally when when the world slows down and uh, <laughs> and Elizabeth's like and I'm gonna punch his eye out. But uh, Pride and Prejudice can totally be a beach read. Like, yeah, totally. It's, it goes, it flows really well and it just reads great. And but it also has that literature appeal to it. Yeah. And Sense and Sensibility is close to that, but it's got, it's, it's it, a little it slower, a little bit more yeah. of you and you got to pay attention a little bit more. This is like, no, no, you might as well be reading Henry James. Like it's very, very dry. It's dry. Um, and I mean, for England, especially, uh, if that's, so if that's what you're, you just need to know what to expect there. Um, but I think it's more rewarding than pride and prejudice. Pride and prejudice has a much more like gut punch emotionality to it, but this is a lot more, it lingers with you a lot. At least for me, it lingers a lot more with me and which part of it? Uh, I guess I guess Anne and the persona of Anne and the persona this book takes on, it's a very melancholy book. It's not a very cheery book the way that Pride is, where it's like, Elizabeth just scorched Darcy. Bam! It, it doesn't ever have that kind of like betrayed emotions. It's just kind of like you're in this kind of sadness that's not too sad. 
No, but yeah. then it gets really sweet in the end. But you got to see it through to the end. Yeah, it is a it is a slow burn. Goodness, I've never used this term in earnest. Mm-hmm. But Anne is a little bit of a Mary Sue. Oh, Ooh. hear me out here. Ooh, my shins. Like, well, no, I, I, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't even want to use that term, but mm-hmm. there's something about reading her the whole time where I was like, oh, she's basically perfect. Is she? Is she? Yeah, she is. Because they talk, <laughs> they talk about it at the end and she's like, yeah, you know what? I think it was like, because they talk about forgiving Lady Russell, Captain Wentworth's right. like, I, you know, I'm mad at her, but I can find time to forgive her. And she is persuadable, Anne is. Mm-hmm. And we have this like character who's kind of persuadable because she's young and impressionable and a little right. bit mousy. Yeah. And so she doesn't get what she wants. And later on, she does get what she wants because circumstances work out for her. Uh, yeah, but I think you can throw that at a lot of Boston characters. I, I, yeah. And, and I, like I said, I, I like the book and I really do like Anne's character. I would fall in love with Anne's character, Mm -hmm. but I do think that there's, there's something about what Austin is saying here that is as long as you're a good person and you are forthright, things will work out in your favor you don't have to be active about your life. Well, I don't think that's the point of this book, though. I think this the point of this book is much more uh, novelistic in the sense of we're entering a person's life and we're walking around in their heart and their soul and we're kind of feeling them and hearing their story and hearing yeah. their woes. And I don't think it's like the characters of Sense and Sensibility or Pride and Prejudice to see their the decisions that those characters make to solve their love riddles well it's yeah but like if you take a character that's a lot like Anne, is um eleanor um dashwood yeah definitely uh because she's patient Mm -hmm. she has she has something that she wants and she is expecting to persevere for that thing but she has no expectations which also would be another great austin title expectations (laughs) yeah um however she does selfless acts mm-hmm. in order to display her nobility. Mm-hmm. Um, the The way we get that through Anne is she is able to be less bad than other characters, mm-hmm. um, which is a very much a, a Jane Austen trope, but she's also able to take control of situations, right? right. And so we admire her ability to be pragmatic and logical mm-hmm. and not vain. Well, here's what I like about her. Yeah. It's not, it's not the actions that she takes. It's the, it's, it's how much I relate to her. And it's, so it might be a more selfish read versus other books, but there's so many aspects about, Anne that I respect a lot and I just enjoy being in her company a lot. Yeah. And, no, me too. Um, and seeing her, she's a long suffering character and, you know, there's a lot of reasons behind her long sufferingness, but seeing her with her family and having to be kind of overcompensate for their ill behavior and being the humble one in situations. And a lot of times she has to overcompensate for their behavior. Okay. So I just described a pretty perfect character mm-hmm. and you just described yourself as relating to her and then also having to deal with your family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope they don't listen to this podcast. Oh, they know. <laughs> 
I, I mean, I, I, I totally get that where she's, I guess she's the middle child. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a lot of respects, she has to take on more leader roles when, right. if a crisis arises or even with her family, she has to be the one who, but to she's convince. treated as the youngest. Yeah. They yeah. don't respect her at all, even though she deserves and should be demanding their respect, but she's very quiet and inward about it. And out of all the heroines and all the Jane Austen stories, she is by far the most inward and the most quiet and yep. the most humble out of all of them. And I just admire her the most out of all of them. Lizzie is so fun and phosphorous and bombastic and you love it when she talks, but I think she's dynamic. Yeah. Bombastic. I would not call her that. She can be bombastic. Depends w- on the day the, or, ah! the, or the dance that she's talking. Bombastic. I would not call her. Oh, okay. Um, but I, I just admire Anne's grace under pressure and her coolness. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. but I never see her as like a model citizen either. I see her as also naive and also she's on one hand, yes, persuadable, but almost worse than she's almost, she almost doesn't think for herself a lot where she kind of fades yeah, into the background a lot. She, she's kind of like a worker bee. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she needs to be more, she needs to stand up for herself more. She needs to take, you know, some lessons from what Lizzie Bennett does. Right. And again, we'll talk about this more in mm. who I fell in love with. <laughs> okay. but, but yeah, really good read. I'm so glad I read it. And I'm glad I get to add Anne to my repertoire of characters whose minds have been inside. Huh. Mm. Okay, well, let's take a, a, a break and jump into Trope Talk. And we'll see you in a second. Trope Talk. Welcome back to Trope Talk. It's like scope talk because I can see you coming a mile away. On uh, my periscope talk. Because you're in the, the Navy? Right? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, okay. I gotcha. All I gotcha. Right, all right, all right. What's the scope oh, of what, work? Oh, is that, it is that it? Scope of work talk? Sure. sure. Okay. <laughs> Any more? Um, uh, throw some scope in your mouth. Wash that right out. <laughs> I won't, because I'm going to tell you about the trope, and uh, that's that. The trope today is what I'm going to call Phoenix Love. Rawr! I know, Get sounds it, a, Harry. Sounds a little too sexy for, but British. Yeah, for for an Austin novel. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, this is the love that you think is gone, but has come back. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it it has an immediate foundation where it's usually puppy love is the first one, right? Mm-hmm. And for some reason it was lost either, you know, there was circumstance like, ah, this was just a trip we were on and then we had to be separated or we were going to school together, but we separated over the summer. That's, uh, Danny and, and Sandy, Sandy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then later on we get to come back and reevaluate that love after people have changed. Mm-hmm. Although I think you would argue in this book, there's not a lot of change of those people, just change of circumstance. Change of circumstance, but also I think for Anne's sake, there is some new maturity because she is more thinking for herself and is more, or should I say less persuadable yeah. and doesn't, she, I don't think if a lady Russell implored her not to marry Wentworth, I think she'd be like, you know what? Yeah. I think she would set her aside. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I think of the other, a really toxic version of like 
the love after all these years is just friends where it's like there was puppy love that was very one sided Mm -hmm. years past people have changed and new circumstances abound. Um, And when you turn into Ryan Reynolds, uh, okay. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) Sure. Um, But I mean, this happens, this happens in a lot of our stories. Mm hmm. Um, I'm just looking through older episodes, Romeo and Juliet, you know, Romeo's like, Juliet, I haven't seen you for like 10 minutes. 10 seconds. You look great. You oh, know, America's Sweethearts. Yeah. America's Sweethearts where she loved him for a long time and he didn't notice her, but he knows his now. Because she's not fat. Way to go, Billy Crystal. Way to write oh, that. Hold on. There. Hold on. Clueless. Let's talk about Clueless because, mm-hmm. uh, Paul Rudd isn't necessarily a lost love, but he's somebody that's like, not been there for a while and then they come back and reevaluate. I think yeah. that's like another kind of this. It's not Phoenix love, yeah. but it's more well like, seen in a new light. Seen in a new light. That's a really related good trope. anymore. Yeah. Exactly. Seen in a new light. That's a better name for this trope. I feel like there's a really good seen in a new light um oh, love yeah. story. But I mean this happens even in like uh I'm just looking at your your shelf over there. Ocean's eleven. Uh, yes. Danny Ocean and Julia Roberts, real actress, Julia Roberts, you know, get are married, but then they break up when he goes to prison. And then when he gets out, it's like, oh, we still have this flame, but you're breaking the law again. So I don't trust you. And they Mm -hmm. rekindle it despite. Yeah. Also like, um, looking at forgetting Sarah Marshall, there's (gasps) a lot of like, trying to force a new light to right. be seen like uh-huh. oh you 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 saw me as this guy who just kind of hung around the home and didn't do anything but maybe i'm a cool guy now maybe maybe you can see me in a different light that's a sick phoenix yeah yeah because they try but it but no, just no, no, doesn't no. work out you need to be with um mila kunis yeah mila kunis oh yeah any others i mean there's a bunch <laughs> That's the trope. You, you, you love a, you love a person. You'll see it. But I, I maybe I'll bring up what I was going to bring up in Who Would You Fall in Love With Now? Okay. So, I think... Sorry, my big fat Greek wedding. She changed, but he always noticed her. He noticed her before the transformation. That's true. Never mind. That's true. I have had experience with, and also witnessed in other people, this... I like this person... But I'm going to approach them very slowly. I, s- I hear what you're saying. Okay. I go at my own pace. No, no. I'm not talking about you. Okay. <laughs> it's And it's not even the same circumstance that you had because mm-hmm. you were pretty upfront with I like you. Mm-hmm. It's much more like this. Like, I know, I, I'm not going to say any names here, but there was this girl in college who wanted to have this kind of not the kind of relationship where you get separated, but the kind of relationship where you know somebody is noble and you know somebody is, you know, your match in many ways, but you aren't ever going to pursue a, like she was never going to pursue a specific like relationship with this person. She was going to wait for them to come to them, to her. Why? Because, I think there's a sense of of wonder in Jane Austen where it's like, wow, these love stories culminate in the end and it's amazing. And it's all over our genre kind of because of Jane Austen mm-hmm. and Shakespeare where we fall in love at the end and we're so happy and that's where we end up. 
And we want a little bit of that to mean that we're pursued, right? And faded, too. Yeah. But in Jane Austen, there's almost none of that. Mm -hmm. There's, based on the society, there's no pursuit. It's much more like we got acquainted. I see that you're a good person through all of our circumstances in this novel. Mm -hmm. You ask for my hand in marriage. Yeah, let's do it. Now, I have talked to a couple people about this in in college and post-college, and I have had a couple people actually talk to me about the fact that they liked me back then, but they just didn't say it, and mm-hmm. they regretted not saying it. Mm, yeah. And it was something where I had like made my feelings known. And so there's, there's a little bit of Wait, like... you told them that you liked them. They liked you, but they didn't say so. As I'm saying this, I'm like, gosh, this sounds really like I'm I'm taking it out on this. Or book is it bad timing? No, it wasn't. It wasn't bad timing. It was more like we were doing things together, becoming close, and then I very much hinted at my feelings, mm-hmm. but they did not hint at all with theirs. They were demure. Oh, okay. Right. They were withdrawn. Withdrawn. Uh huh. And. Then I backed off, and Mm -hmm. so they thought, oh, he's not interested. Mm -hmm. And there's there's an interesting dance that is done in lots of relationships, not so much in your late 20s and 30s, because you're like, I want to let this person know I like them, Mm -hmm. because otherwise I might never get married. Right. (laughs) And I, I feel like that this is a prime example of what not to do today if you're interested in somebody in terms of when we catch up with Anne and Wentworth yes absolutely you're yeah. absolutely correct and i don't think that's what's going on though but i do think that i i was very much like this at one point in time too where mm. there were people i liked but i didn't make it known because i wanted it to be a courtship mm-hmm. right i wanted it to be slow and progressive and just get there when it gets there. And I lost out on, on getting to know quite a few really cool people Yeah, because I never got the chance because they moved on. Right. right? And I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. Cause I feel like that causes this trope sometimes where yeah. I, I never made my, my feelings known thus. Well, I, we, we never had the love that could have been my read of this story is that, Anne's behavior in front of Wentworth is out of a uh, a maturity and a propriety and this she feels responsible for her own hurt and her own regret but she also feels responsible for breaking this guy's heart years ago and I feel like her only option of behavior is to to just zip it and oh, just no. stay quiet. I, I honestly think Anne is is a hundred percent correct in how she acts in that part of the book. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think she can act any other way and be noble. Right. And so the the fact that they can still come together and still find that they're in love with each other is almost a miracle because they're both trying to be so chill mm-hmm. about it. And it's this weird dance that just because of circumstances and it gets a little melodramatic with those circumstances that kind of brings them together and see that the qualities that they loved about one another years ago rings true still and even more so now. And so 
I don't know. I guess. I guess. Wait, you you think their circumstances ring more true now? Not their circumstances. For them, they the qualities that they loved about each other. They're oh. like you. You still yes. are these things. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. When they come back, and that's that's one of those beautiful things that is still true now. Is that like, oftentimes when you fall in love with someone, and you leave them, you can fall in love with those same things again years later. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I think this love story is not one to be like wishing, I wish this would happen to me. This, this feels more of a tragic love story where you should go, I don't want this to happen to me. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I do, th- I do think that there is, there is a little bit of masochism in the melancholy where yeah. it, it's like a, an emo love song yeah, a little bit. The way you know? that Benick is like, I'm just going to suffer in my corner with my love poetry. And she's like, stop. Right. But <laughs> But we like finding love. I think there's something in us that wants to find love despite having almost lost it. Mm-hmm. Like there's, it's, it's like having the bitter with the sweet and making that taste all the better. Yeah. Cause with Sarah, I liked her for the longest time and she rejected me. Um, I say with a little bit of bitter in my, mm-hmm. in my mouth, but I was steadfast and I took a gamble with my perspective where I was like, no, I think you like me. So I'm not going to like annoy you or stalk you. I'm just going to be friends. I'm going to drop it for a little while, but Mm -hmm. I think, I think you like me. And she eventually did come around and I, I was, I didn't act like Anne here, but I did relate to Anne's quiet solicitude yeah, throughout. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. And yeah. And I, I mean, you were rarely quiet when Sarah <laughs> was around, but I, I do very much see you and Anne. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, when, and when I met Robin, I couldn't like, I had, I had been told too many times, like in, in the time I was single by people who used to like me mm-hmm. that like, Hey, by the way, I like you. I liked you. I'm in different circumstances right now. Like I'm, you know, engaged because I'd like, you know, but they're like, hey, you know, maybe in another life. And who does that? That's so mean. No, no. It's and it's not it it didn't happen all the time. It was just a couple instances (laughs) that like spiked my a little bit spiked my ego and made me feel like, oh, man, I didn't I didn't take chances when I should have. But they also didn't. And that's like a bullet of regret that's shot into your heart of like, had you known these things maybe things would have been different right and and you sometimes you can't do anything about that because somebody's married or somebody is like living in a different country and it's like a different thing and i mean that's just that's life though like so many people have gone through that that doesn't make my circumstance special at all but i just when i met robin i was like okay I I know something's here, so I'm going to go for it. Go for it, and it turned out great. Yeah, and that, but that doesn't always happen. It just like lucked out. But it's it's just interesting to look at the amount of times that I felt like Anne, mm-hmm. and that it didn't work out. Right, and being like that made me more like Lizzie Bennet. Yeah, yeah, and I think had I read Persuasion when I was in high school, I still think I would have related to it. Because, yeah, yeah, that's when I would have related to. Well, in college, I would have related to it probably most, or just post college. Yeah, and so, and uh, that's how a lot of love stories go on the before times of the before you like have had that epic love yet when you're when you're coming of age and like when I watched Five Hundred Days of Summer, like 
I related to that relationship, even though I had never dated anyone ever. And yeah, I, I think that aspect I understand people enjoying, but wanting that to happen to them, I don't know. Yeah, and maybe maybe I overspoke a little bit, but well, like, go, let's go go back to the origin of your concern. The origin, uh, like, ex- say it one more time what your what your what your thought is, your thesis. I just think that there's there's something to wanting a long, possibly, possibly, what's the word I'm looking for? That uh, like for a potential relationship to work out, but for there to be like a potential fraughtness to it. Oh yeah. I think there is, I think there is a slight masochism in all of us, especially as romantics, especially as English majors where we want there to be an obstacle to overcome because that makes a romantic story. I think this is true subconsciously. No, I, I, I'm complete. I'm saying subconsciously. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying we kind of long for, we kind of do this to ourselves. We kind of shoot ourselves in the foot and like it was with Sarah, where it's like nothing really changed about who we were other than Sarah's perspective of being like, you know what? No, we should date. No, but her perspective was like, I mean, here's, I don't know. You can cut this from the podcast if you want, but your like religion was like in flux. Yeah. That was an aspect. That was an aspect that did change about you. It was one of those things where it's like, well, he is a little hotter now. So that does help. (laughs) But, um, I think again, I think people kind of make themselves suffer like April Ludgate and parks and rec. Like, Right. There's delayed gratification with her love with right. for Andy. And it's like I, it doesn't have to be like this. You can I, just be with him. I know, but like us as an audience love it. We do. Right? And so I I really do think there's like something subconscious in us that wants that. Mm-hmm. You know, because we want to we want to suffer and we want to overcome in order to achieve this thing subconsciously. Like when we're in it, we hate it. Yeah. But then when we achieve and find love or find whatever it is that we've suffered for, we derive more satisfaction from those moments. Love makes you crazy. It and does. I, I think there's so... <laughs> m- <laughs> That's the trope. Love makes you crazy. Well, there's just so many times where you have crushes on people or you pursue people and the front part of your brain is like, this is a bad idea. <laughs> and you're like, I don't care. <laughs> and you just are going for it. Or, or it's the opposite of that, where I think you... You shy away, and your brain's like, "Go, go, Do go!" It. And you're Ask like, "Ask her no, out." No, I, I, I shouldn't. I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll and wait. And then you see her dancing with someone else at the dance, and you could have been that person, but you chickened out. And love I mean, makes you crazy. It's as Patrick Swayze might say: "It's love, and it's fear." <laughs> Don't put baby in the corner. Uh, that's persuasion. Yeah, starring wow. Patrick Swayze. Um, I'm gonna persuade everybody listening to come on over to our Patreon. Da, 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 da. Yeah, I feel like we should have some like fun music there. Yeah, we should. Uh, so good news, everybody. The poll is holding true. We've got an October spooky poll and it's ghost versus warm bodies versus the ghost of Mrs. Muir versus twilight Two. random sequel name. I forgot. Is it new moon? That would be good. And ghost is still in the lead. Yep. Thank God. So that's ghost. Um, I'm going to write an essay this week. Don't know what it is. Oh, I've got an essay I want you to write because I'm honestly curious. I want to know this about you. Okay. 
I want to know what you're looking for when you pick up a fantasy story. Whether it's a show or a book or a video game, when you're jumping into the fantasy genre, what are the things that you need it to do for you to be hooked? I can make that short. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Ryan, Ryan, I I have a couple of things due writerly to Ryan. I I have a fourth draft of a script right now. That's forthcoming. Mm. Ah. Mm. So that's our Patreon. Gilmore Girls is on deck. I've been diligently watching Gilmore Girls. I've been catching up on, there's a lot of fallout in season five. Yeah. Man, there. I mean, Rory makes some decisions. Yep, and she's got to pay for them. She she brings them to the the registry. It's like you you, you got to pay for all these. How far through it are you? Um, I'm several episodes in. Oh, I mean, we're getting through it. Oh, I'm getting okay. Through it. Never yeah. mind. I'm not. I'm not. You're not I to the, met the big Logan stuff yet. yet. Um, oh, well, I, you have so much to get through. I know. It's. We'll get, I'm already we'll done. Get through it. I know. And we'll get to it. We'll get to it. That's, And that's the Patreon, everybody. Mm-hmm. So check it out. Patreon.com slash romcom gents. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, with that out of the way, I think I can show you my collection of golden swords. A blessing from the Lord. God be praised. The Golden Sword. Man, there's so many formal things I want to reward. I need like a quirky thing to reward, you know? Well, I mean, you could do one formal thing here, one formal thing in the next segment. <laughs> um, I just want to say I really like the platonic relationship of Benick and mm, Anne. Me too. I really, I really, I really like their friendship. And I think... I think what if is my new like punching bag of things I don't like about rom-coms sometimes. And the, cause that has a very complicated relationship and there's something about a closeness between these two where I'm like, yes, with Benick and Anne. I'm like, I like this a lot. Like yeah. I want to pursue this friendship and I want to see where this goes. I guess, man, it's so weird that you're bringing, even bringing up what if, because it's such a different circumstance. If, if her and Benick would start getting together. It, it would all be above board, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how you're comparing this to. I guess I just mean the, there is something also non-romantic closeness between them though in the, in the long run. Whereas I never thought that, there was anything platonic happening ever between Daniel Radcliffe and Zoe Kazan. Yeah. I didn't think there was anything platonic necessarily happening with Benick and her until he was married. And so it just seems like he got married and it took him off the table. I don't no, I don't. Well, that's, I guess that's the thing is that I don't think it was a romantic connection they had in the beginning. I think it was a deep, a, a connection of two souls. I, I mean, I do think it was that, mm-hmm. but I think it had vast potential for romance. It it did, but I think it was one of those things where it's like, I can imagine this friendship in real life and hearing whisperings of romance, and I could imagine Anne being like, no, no, it's something different, and I would believe her. I would believe that it's not a romantic thing for her. Sure, yeah, and yeah. this is why I always say that men and women should also try to be friends. Yeah, and I guess... This is my example of like, I concur. <laughs> okay, great. I, I like that you're bringing it to the table. Yeah, um, because there is something special there in that relationship that mm-hmm. she won't have necessarily with Wentworth. She won't have that certain type of depth there. And that's okay. Perhaps. I think we don't. It'd be different. 
I, it's hard because I, m- m- one of my things I liked least about this book is I get to see Wentworth's actions, which I really do like, mm-hmm. but I don't get to know him super much as far as his like wants or likes or the depth of his character. But we yeah. do know, we do feel his compatibility with Anne. I know he's brave. He has good friends. He's steadfast and he's kind. I know all these things through me seeing his actions, but I don't like know what his favorite movies are. Yeah. And that's the thing. I've, I, I think, I think he would read all the books that Anne says, you have to read this. Sure. But 51% of him is doing it because Anne asked him to. Yeah. Yeah, which um, is cool. But with Benick, Benick's like, I was going to read these anyways. Like, I there's something more. There's like this particular corner of their friendship being mm-hmm. literature. There's something more that they connect to, which is why this book is always feeding into our English, English major hearts, major souls. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I, this happens to me where I will have certain female friendships that we are closer about certain topics than I am with Sarah. Oh, for sure. And that's yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. Um, because Sarah's like, I don't care about that thing yeah. that you guys are nerding out about. Totally. It's like, okay, I'm going to like spend two hours talking and nerding out about this. She's like, fine, go away. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the cool thing about men and women being friends while yeah. also being in relationships. It's mm-hmm. totally possible. So the thing I'm going to give it to is this, the sass. The sass. The sass. I'm giving the the Jane Austen sass. Oh, she she takes people to task yeah. a lot in this book. She she's just I mean she does it in every book. Mm-hmm. To be honest, she's she rips into him left and right. I think her nicest book is probably Sense and Sensibility. Um, yeah, she's like poor Marianne, so young. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like she she it's it's more like in that book she berates people publicly for what they've done mm-hmm. rather than making it like a wink and a stab yeah you know yeah totally uh but in this one i just loved it whenever she was taking taking them to task mm-hmm. i almost gave it to Anne's niceness just because it's so mm-hmm. nice to have a nice protagonist sometimes mm-hmm. but no no it's going to the sass yep um would you give this movie a sassy oscar <laughs> I'm like the last three times I've tried to transition into that. I just don't know what I'm doing. That's okay. I, I woke up at four this morning, Ryan. I couldn't go back to bed. I'm very proud of you. My baby slept until six. Wow. I was up at four. Don't you hate that? Ah! It's uh, having a baby and sleep is kind of like being a Marine. Sleep while you can. It's not like sleep when you should. It's sleep when you can. Can you nap? No. No, I can't either. I so, can't nap. So what's the point? I can't nap. But. <laughs> In the early days when I needed to get up and up and up and up all the time, um, I was able to fall asleep really easily you're, and wake you're up really quickly. so good at it. Um, it. You, you can fall asleep and sleep through things. That's the essential thing. You can sleep yeah, through things. You're a light sleeper. I've got these trucks, Ryan. Yeah. I've I, got these trucks I that drive you. past my house. I feel you. They're the worst. Man. They're the worst. Can you do something about it? <laughs> There's a there's some good scenes from a Goodfellas movie that you know we could imitate. Um, okay, book Oscar. Uh, this yeah, is like the, Man Booker Prize award yeah. categories. Wait, hold on a second. So there is the Man Booker Prize, right? Yeah, but there are not multiple the man, man Bookers. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm going to give it the Man Booker. Shouldn't there be though? Shouldn't there, there should be? There should be like an Oscars of literature. Yeah. Or are we just too pretentious for that? It's, it's the Goodreads Award, you know. <laughs> it's just totally. log in. Um, the goodies. Best, That's what I call them. Best writing? No, I can't do that. 
<laughs> I think you've already given best writing this year. Yeah. Um, Do you want to give best protagonist? I feel I feel I felt that coming earlier. Can I have? No, I'll I'll just go for it. Best best protagonist, and shall I say? A favorite protagonist. Whoa. Um, I don't of know if like that can be official. Literature? Uh, one of my most favorite protagonists. Yeah, okay. I love that. Um, I just, like I said, the her grace under pressure and her inwardness is very relatable and mm-hmm. admirable. And she doesn't, she's never one to lash out. She's never one to, because Lizzie will lash out. She has something to say. She'll she's give someone say what for. It. She's going to yeah. say it. And that's not me. I don't. I don't ever see myself doing Lizzie things. Mm-hmm. And even when there's a temptation to to do a Lizzie thing, it's like, no, I never really entertain that. But Anne being having this quiet heart, she's kind of a hero to me in that sense. That I would I would follow her into battle. That sounds really weird, but I really would follow into battle. She feels like the most wise out of all the characters. I feel that and. I, I think there's something about having a good character like her where Austin has given us other main characters, more complicated main characters like Emma. Yeah. Um, and then more forthright out loud characters like Lizzie mm. and more quiet and I, I want to say steadfast. Like I, I think Eleanor is a very mm-hmm. steadfast character. She's my second favorite austin character yeah and i love her too i think she's also my second favorite austin character um but i think what this kind of shows us even even if it's subtle degrees based on the decorum in which we are allowed to see their personalities like the british aristocracy and the the lower gentry there's there's not a lot of room to be different Mm -hmm. in these books right right like i mean i mean at least the the dynamics don't reach as many peaks and valleys. Right. Um, but it, I think Jane Austen is trying to say with her choices of characters is there are all types of heroes Mm -hmm. and we need all of them. She said, not all we're not all heroes wear capes. Sometimes they wear corsets (laughs) or cravats and they're the real heroes. Corset wearers. Um, well then, Tell me, Kelly, uh, who would you fall in love with? And this is where we will say goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe, we'll even take a bribe. See you next week on A Gentleman's Guide. So I didn't end up marrying an Anne. New. No. <laughs> but I fell in love with quite a few. Mm. Um and I think I'm I'm gonna have to give it to Anne in this movie for all of those loves that never happened. Because there's you, there's just something and you've already described her plenty so I'm not going to try mm-hmm. but there's just something wonderful about her that is a little undeniable and any naivete or any shyness that she has is made up for with her other qualities and characteristics I'm going with I'm going with Anne 
Still waters run deep. Man, I feel like we've just been uh, a chicken soup for the Jane Austen soul <laughs> this um, podcast. It's a cliche, but I, that's all I got at the end of my rope here. Still waters run deep. And what I love about falling in love with someone is that when you really get into who they are, you understand that they're a, a world to like explore. And that's what's fun about being in love with them is that you are continually falling in love with them because they're a dynamic person that's growing and changing. And, you know, when you hang out with people that are kind of loud and kind of obnoxious, they're pretty, they can be surface level. Mm-hmm. And I'm being unfair to these loud hypothetical people, <laughs> but there is something kind of like less attractive about them because it's just kind of like what you see is what you get. And you're like, okay, there's no like mystery to them. Sure. But the more quiet contemplative people like my wife is someone that I'm always falling in love with and, and represents that very much here. Very much. So I would not compare your wife to Anne, though. Like she is sometimes quiet, but she's way too fierce. She's, she is little, but she is, but fierce. She is, she is, she is a very fierce personality compared to Anne's. Yeah, like <laughs> if they went out and got a drink, Sarah would be like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like there would be. She's not. She's not as quiet as Anne, but very characteristic no. similar. To, yeah, no, to there Anne. are there are definitely um, great. Well, next week I guess we're gonna just do a compare contrast. Next week is Persuasion by Jane Austen. <laughs> yeah, uh, we are doing the movie version that released recently on Netflix. Um, um, can we can we like relate who's in the movie? Is that Dakota Johnson? Dakota Johnson yeah. is Anne. Sir Walter Elliot is good old Withnell. It's um, oh serious. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, Richard E. Grant, mm-hmm. and it's. I was picturing him bigger, uh, like not not as felt as right. Richard E. Grant. Yeah, hmm. Richard E. Grant. That seems correct. That seems correct. Um, and then he's so intelligent, though. Like whenever I see his face, I'm like Richard E. Grant. You're a very smart man. Yeah, Withnell is a very very intelligent man. He's just super like. But you you see him in Jackie, and he's still like yeah, you know. That's uh, yeah, true. I get you. Um, and there's Henry Golding. I think is either Bannock or someone, and or mm, or is Henry Golding Mr. Elliot? Let's just look it up real quick. He's Mr. Elliot. Henry Golding is Mr. Elliot. Um, Who is Wentworth? Wentworth is Cosmo Jarvis. Um, <laughs> Those are two very different names. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and they went colorblind <laughs> casting on this, so. Cosmo Jarvis sounds <laughs> like your fun butler. <laughs> Cosmo. Cosmo Jarvis. Get down here. Um, yeah, he looks the part. Definitely. We will watch this movie version, but I can already tell you there is a definitive movie version that came out in 1995 with Kieran Hines as Wentworth. And oh my God, is he hot in that movie? So when, when was this? 95. Okay. See the nineties Austins are some of my favorites. This is cheaper. Austin. This is a really high end TV adaptation. Is Is it a PBS or BBC? It was somewhere it was somewhere along those lines. Masterpiece theater. But it was done so well that they figured out, they're like, you know what? We can actually release this in movie theaters. Oh, and okay. so you can tell that it's like 
a little cheap, but the but acting is there. It totally pulls yeah. off. Okay. So, um, well, I mean, what I have here are two people standing in a field about to talk to each other. And seems about right. That seems about <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, well, Kelly, I love you so much that if after seven years we were reunited, then I would probably keep my mouth just shut and not say a word. Oh, just like Anne. Yeah. Okay. You know, cool. Steadfast. Steadfast. Um, well, Ryan, I love you so much that I'm going to say you were very articulate when talking about love this podcast. And it just made me glad to be your friend. Thank you. Yeah. We should... We should talk about love more. Yeah, like in a podcast or yeah, something. Yeah, good idea. <clears throat> and this is where we will say a goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe. We'll even take a bribe. See you next week on the Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms. Ryan's brushing his beard right now with like a wooden brush. It's Here's very some cool. ASMR for you. Oh yeah, that's nice. Oh yeah. Now, now can you get the uh, dandruff falling out onto your shirt? No, no, I mean ASMR. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Very good. <laughs>